It's the Book Squad Podcast, a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. On this edition, our two book minimum features The Thunder Beneath Us by Nicole Blades, Into the Beautiful North by Luis Alberto Urea, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Franco, and Game of Crowns by Christopher Anderson. Later on, we're talking about Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, as well as other news and updates from the book squad. And now it's over to our resident Lawrence Public Librarians and book squad gurus, Kate Gramlich and Polly Ken. Kate. Hey, I'm Polly. Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. Welcome. So we like to start it out with some bookish news. Bookish news. I'm in charge of bookish news today. We had some exciting bookish news. So the National Book Awards happened this last week, Ooh. and we had some really amazing winners. Um, the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which Oprah's I think we've... Favey. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think we've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. Look at us knowing book things. Um, Stamp from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi, Dr. Ibram Kendi, who uh, was just at the library a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm really sad I missed that. You should be sad. I'm sad. Because he like blew the top of my head off. He was amazing. Um, March, which is a graphic novel by John Lewis. It's the third, actually the third book in the series. Um, And then The Performance of Becoming Human by Daniel Borzutsky. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Daniel. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I believe that's that's poetry, actually, I believe. So um, those are the awards. Get on hold for those so you can be in the know. Yay, authors. Uh, We also, the holidays are coming up, various holidays, and um, Publishers Weekly came out with a gift book guide. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we each thought of a couple that we might like receiving or mm-hmm. giving to someone else if, you know, if we have bookish fans. Um, the first one that I thought um, sounded really good was the Best, best American Comics of 2016. Um, and that's edited by Roz Chast and Bill Cartolopoulos. I'm pretty <laughs> sure got that. And Roz Chast did. Uh, can we talk about something more pleasant? Yeah, she's, right? she's awesome. That's she's yeah, amazing. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And this just seems like it would be a really great, uh, a great gift book um, for someone who's either interested in graphic novels or if they would like to get into them. This would be a good entry point. Um, and then another awesome gift book is um, Penguin put out a classic Penguin cover to cover, which was edited by Paul Buckley. And it's kind of what it sounds like. It's a book of all of the classic Penguin covers. So not only for bookish fans, but also for kind of graphic design fans or aesthetics nerds. Uh, It looked really gorgeous. I was looking through the pictures online and uh, it'd be a nice coffee table book to have. Are you are you hinting for me to hint? Hint. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would you like? (laughs) Noted. Okay. Uh, I saw this this book and I thought um, people might be very interested in this. The Gilmore Girls is relaunching Mm -hmm. on Netflix on November 25th, in case you did not know that. Um, And there is actually a cookbook, Eat Like a Gilmore, the unofficial cookbook for fans of Gilmore Girls. Uh, Christy Carlson is the author of that. Unfortunately, it seems to be temporarily out of stock because (laughs) it's very popular. It's very popular. But that's why we're giving you this bookish news now Mm -hmm. so that you can get that on your radar. So you've got a little time. I'm wondering, though, if it's mostly recipes for like frozen pizza. That actually Which would make the most sense. That sounds like right up my alley. What was the other stuff that they would French fries? Yeah, and they did a lot of takeouts. So I just had to order takeout like a pro. Hmm. 
That sounds nice. I haven't seen the inside of it, so it could be. It's out of print. Or maybe it's like <laughs> all Suki's recipes. Oh, like, that would be nice. Yeah. That's probably some stuff, stuff from the diner. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a little more sense than right. a takeout guy. Yeah, a little bit more. Um, a couple other like really cool books that I saw, and I actually got an advanced reader copy of this one a while back, and it's just gorgeous and really fun, is Atlas Obscura, um, an explorer's guide to the world's hidden wonders. Not Alice Obscura. Not Alice <laughs> Obscura, which is what I thought it was the first time I heard it. Nice. Be a cool derby name or something. Yeah, it would be. Um, someone told me this at a party, and I misheard it. Alice Obscura sounds way better. Misheard book titles. Um, but that is um, Lev Grossman, the author, if oh. you know him. Um, John Sutherland and Tom Shippey um, are oh, – actually, that I'm lying – those are that's not, okay. that's that not back. the person. That's a, it's another three-person team. John, Joshua Four, Dylan Thuris, and Ella Morton are Atlas Obscura. Oh, yeah. And Those Josh, other dudes are another book. That's okay. Joshua Four, though, is the brother of my John. boyfriend, Jonathan Safran Four, mm-hmm. who wrote Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Jonathan, if you're listening to this, <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, Lord, I got to move on. Okay. Uh, for, I think, the music people in your life, Born to Run, which is Bruce Springsteen's um, autobiography is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one that I'm super interested in is Literary Wonderlands. And that's all those people I just mentioned. Lev Grossman, John Sutherland, and Tom Shippey. Sorry, guys. That is like a 100 um, like literary worlds, places that exist in literary. It's an, it's an examination of all of those, like the world building and all of those. So it's really cool. And the last one is Good Clean Fun by Nick Offerman. I actually mm-hmm. bought that for my husband for his um, his birthday, and it's all about woodworking and just you know anything fun. Nick Offerman, um, if you if you like him in um, Parks and Rec, you will like this book. So what's the what's the updates since last time? Well, in our world, in the library world, um, we just had. The book club speed dating events last week. Gosh, time is flying by. Um, so if you tuned in last time, we talked about book club speed dating, and it's where um, a bunch of book clubs and also just bookish uh, people will sit and relax and eat and drink, and librarians and booksellers will go around to each table, pitch four books in five minutes, Uh, And then a bell will ring, and then we switch tables. Everybody else just sits there. Um, And it was amazing. It went really, really well. It was super amazing. We had 100-plus people, and that was 40 more than had um, RSVP'd, and then (laughs) 20 more than there was originally chairs for. Mm -hmm. But the people at Maselli's where we had it were... Rock stars. Yeah. So super shout out to Maselli's yeah, who, who are a wonderful partner with this and the Raven Bookstore who are our booksellers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, please show them your love because they really supported the library. We really appreciate that. So uh, I listen. Yeah. Listen to what this. You got? I'm trying something out. OK. OK. And because this is a podcast, I cannot see anybody's eyes rolling at me. They're so not. I'm They're just going to try this out. Um, tagline for this section, all the print that's fit to news. Oh, what do you think? I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. I liked it. My eyes did not roll. News as a verb. Yeah. It's happening. I'm making you, it happen. You can verb it. Done. Yeah. Okay. Nick likes it. All right. So, and he's got experience. If Nick likes things. it, it's a done deal. Yes. Are you ready for, 
Are you ready for two book minimum? Two book minimum. All right. Yes. You're so, first. All right. Kate. So thank you, Polly. <laughs> uh, in two book minimum, as you might guess, we talk about two books minimum. Uh, and I will start. And I'm Kate. <laughs> and the first book I wanted to talk about was one that I just finished reading last week called The Thunder Beneath Us by Nicole Blades. It just came out in 2016. I think this fall. Um, it's a debut author. She and I are friends on Instagram now. Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. Yep. I uh, am famous by association. Um, <laughs> the narrator best is um, is a young black woman who works at a women's magazine um, as a sex writer. Uh, and uh, she wants to do more serious topics, though. Um, and she's super clever, super witty, very... Um, very relatable, very funny, uh, but she kind of comes across to her coworkers as sort of cold and distant, and she's kind of hard to get to know beyond her um, her excellent wit. Um, and we find out that it's because she harbors deep emotional secrets and a lot of, of family issues that people don't know about. Um, and that is, I can't give away any spoilers, so okay. I will not. Um, don't spoil it. But I will say, though, that if you like contemporary fiction, um, and you like something that's funny, uh, but emotional, um, it's really wonderful. And, uh, it also has an ending you can feel good about. One little warning though, is that there's a lot of cussing. So if you're into that, definitely go for this. If you're not into that, maybe don't read this out loud to your children. Probably. Pre salty. Pre salty. Okay. Yes. All right. And that was The Thunder Beneath Us by Nicole Blades. Um, and the next one I've got is sitting right here in front of me, and I'm aching to read it right now because I'm not finished with it, uh, but I'm so in love with it. I don't want it to end. Uh, it is Into the Beautiful North by Luis Alberto Urea, or Urea. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Good job. Thank you. Thank you. And that came out in 2009, and uh, this author was hailed by NPR as a literary badass, if we can say ass. Okay, maybe we can say yes. Uh, and a master story storyteller with a rock and roll heart. And that's a lot coming from NPR, I think. Wow. Uh, so in this book, in Into the Beautiful North, uh, most of the men from this um, particular small Mexican town have abandoned their community to go north uh, looking for jobs. And banditos have moved in uh, because it's kind of a, an easy target. Um, and... There are there's a group of teenage girls who, after they see the 1960s movie uh, The Magnificent Seven, the Western, not yeah. the one that just came out. Oh, I know that was com that looks good though. I know. All right, well, we can talk about, about that later. Yes. Right. Uh, after they see them, uh, these three teenage girls and one teenage boy embark on a journey from Mexico into the United States to bring back their own Magnificent Seven, uh, seven men to help fight the banditos, and. Uh, it tackles a bunch of really interesting and heavy topics um, like uh, immigration and uh, and family politics and stuff. But it's it's hilarious. He's I think he's just going to be my favorite author. I'm just going to say that after one book. Yeah. Um, actually, three fourths of a book. Yeah, he's so funny. I was cackling, laughing. Um, okay. And uh, Nayeli, the one of the main characters, is a karate master. So that's. Uh, that's automatically a okay. Win. You have completely sold this book to me. Yes. I just want you to know that. Good I job. was recommended this one by a book club member, and she basically gave me a really short synopsis, and I was like, done, put it on hold. Yeah. So I'm going to put this on hold. All right, good. After we're done with the podcast. Good. So that was Into the Beautiful North. Okay. 
Yes. Very good. Holly, your turn. Oh, thank you. Uh, So today I want to talk about Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a new book, published in 1959. It's a a classic. Um, If if you don't know about it, um, Frankl, Dr. Frankl, um, he was a doctor um, in Vienna. He decided, even though all of the things that were happening in Vienna, he decided to stay even though mm. he got his papers to come to America because his parents were still there. Mm-hmm. So he decided to stay. And unfortunately, he was swept up by the Nazis um, along with his parents and his um, pregnant wife, mm. um, none of whom survived. But Frankel survived. Um, he survived four camps during the Holocaust, four different camps. And so um, the first half of this book is that experience, um, sort of his personal experience. And I think he's written other places more about it but because this is a pretty slim volume. But the first half uh, is his um intimate experience in the camps. And then the second half is actually um, what he brought with him out of the camp, which is the experience that he applied to his life work. He'd Mm -hmm. started working on this before um, he went in. And um, it's logotherapy is is what it's called. Um, And what he learned in the camps is that um, and saw sort of over and over again was that the key to survival um, is the sense that one's life has meaning. Mm-hmm. So, and at the time, you know, there were theories that, um, you know, was that pleasure was what people were seeking, and um, that was Freud. And then Adler mm-hmm. felt like power is what people are seeking. But Frankel um, says that what what he saw was that people were seeking meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, the three things that people really need um, is a sense that they're. Um, that they, that they have work or a task or something that they have to do or complete. Um, they need connection to another person or people, um, a sense of love in some way. And then they need also need a sense that um, suffering, suffering that they cannot control, mm-hmm. not suffering that's under their control, that's martyrdom, but so, like that suffering that you cannot control to be able to endure that um, is meaningful that okay. there's that there's something to that, something heroic to that. Um, so I, it was really it was really great. I was in New York right after the election. I was walking around in a little bookstore and I saw this and I thought, you know, I think it's time to revisit yeah. this book. Uh, so it it was really good and like I said, it's short and I think it it really gives us something to think about um, right now. And those three things, the work and love and... Work and love and suffering. That reminds me of what we'll talk about later in for our She Said, She Said book. So we can can connect those two. Nice. Stay tuned, listeners. You're right on that. Okay. And so like totally shifting all of the years (laughs) away from that. Um, Game of Crowns, Elizabeth, Camilla, Kate, and the Throne um, by Christopher Anderson. And that was, this was recommended to me by a, a librarian that I love very much. And I was like, what? I don't think I would want to read something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I have been, um, I've been sort of binge watching The Crown. Well, I finished it. I binge watched The Crown, 
which is the story is on Netflix and it's a story of Queen Elizabeth, like from the time of her marriage. Um, Well, this first season was, I think, 10 or whatever. They only they only got through the first few years of of her marriage after her coronation. Um, But so this book, if you're at all, which I didn't think that I was, but if you Mm -hmm. at all like, you know, People magazine or, you know, is it TMZ or, you know, if you like that stuff, this book is right up your alley. Um, Gets gossip and intrigue and. You know, it's asking, will the queen abdicate? You know, she's 90 and she's still up there queening. Yeah. So, um, and <laughs> what you find out is, you know, like, she's she's might be trying to block her son, Charles. She's you know, sassy. he's in line, but he's a philandering turd. Yeah, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, she hates Camilla. Like, is she going to let Camilla have mm. the throne? I so, um, but you know, she loves Kate, and the people love Kate. You know, Kate is the Kate's are great. Kate's Kate's are great. Kate is the new embodiment of Diana, but you know, mm-hmm. a, like a true commoner, she would be the first true commoner ever to sit on the throne. Dang, is okay. that true? I am. am I ta- well, am I making that up? No, I think that's true. Wish we had a fact checker. Mm. Hey, fact checker. Um, so anyway, the Game of Crowns. So if you've been if you've been into this does sound intriguing to if me you've now. been into the monarchy in any way for any reason, you love it or hate <laughs> it. Like this is it's it's pretty juicy. So, um, anyways, that was your two book minimum. Two book minimum. All right. So now we've got she said she said, uh, which is our segment where we go toe to toe over a shared book. While trying not to be completely spoilerific, but this one there's not really spoilers. No, it's nonfiction. And yeah, the spoiler is that everyone dies. I think. Oh, jeez. Mm. Yeah, sorry guys. You sorry, are everybody. No, really, everyone does die. Everyone does. Like so for far, real. So far. And yeah, so far. And that's what Atul Gawande is talking about in being mortal. Yes. Is that? Everyone Thank you for does. giving the actual title of the book. <laughs> You are welcome. It's not my strength. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So uh, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, um, uh, this came out in, oh, when did this book come out? 2014. It was, it was a couple years ago. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not prepared. Maybe it was 2014 or maybe it was a little earlier than that. It's not been out too long. Um, but I read it not too long after it came out. Um the subtitle of the book is Medicine and What Matters in the End, and I can read to you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Medicine has triumphed in modern times, transforming the, transforming the dangers of childbirth, injury, and disease from harrowing to manageable. But when it comes to the inescapable realities of aging and death, what medicine can do often runs counter to what it should Riveting, honest, and humane, being mortal shows us how the ultimate goal is not a good death, but a good life. All the way to the very end. So, you know. And you connected with this one. I did. So I, um, I'm not super jazzed about dying, you know, like. No. Not really. No. Um, but I, when I was 24, I was able to be present um, during the last week of my grandfather's mm-hmm. life. So he um, had lung cancer. He was 82, just pretty amazing yeah. considering he started smoking at like 11 because he was a farm boy born in 1915. Um, super lucky to make it as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, that last week of his life, we were called up. Um, we lived out in a different state 
and we got there and he was still a little lucid and he was still talking to us. And, um, it, that was about, about a day or day and a half that that happened. And then, um, he stopped eating mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he had hospice care there oh, okay. and, um, was, was set up downstairs and the house was just literally filled with his grandchildren and his mm-hmm. one great grandchild. Noah was, my son was about 18 months old. Um, and he had, after about a day and a half, he slipped into a coma and then, um, we were just there the rest of the time helping, you know, with hospice care showed us how to do things. Mm-hmm. So we helped administer his morphine and, you know, wipe his lips to keep him moist. And we went over and talked to him sometimes and, and played music for him. And, um, he actually passed away. Um, it was the, the I was actually on Thanksgiving. It was the first oh, really? right in the morning. Um, my grandma had said goodnight to him and went upstairs and we were still all up playing cards or whatever. And we went over to check on him and, um, that was the time. So someone went up and got my grandma we were all mm-hmm. standing around him and forties music, big band was playing in the mm-hmm. background. And it was a really, um, incredible experience to have when I was 24 mm-hmm. And when I just did not want to think about dying at all mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had a brand new baby and it was a lot to take in at that time. But, but um, he was able to go in a way that was yeah, that he, on his own terms more so and, and not hooked up to a bunch of... Yeah. So um, all that to say that um, this book really spoke to me because... You know, he'd had a few scares before that because um, he had some breathing problems. And we, um, you know, there, it, we did medical things or he did, he chose some medical things to mm-hmm. prolong himself a little bit. But he really did not want to go through a lot of a lot of that. I mean, he chose what, you know, in the book is, you know, re- referred to as palliative care, um, which is just to take care of yourself um, and prolong, prolong the quality of your life right. rather than the length of your life. It's more treating pain and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily pain and suffering and, yeah. right, and relieving symptoms of, of whatever disease that you might have. Um, but so, you know, this book really covers, a, you know, a couple different things. It talks about, um, would you want to talk about like the aging part of it? I know you were super interested in yeah. the aging concepts. Yeah. There, first of all, he goes into great detail on um, on how our bodies age, which was really interesting. Um, and he also talks about different uh, different alternatives to nursing home, traditional nursing homes. He talks about the history of nursing homes and how they were mostly just kind of holding pens um, for patients and not necessarily, you know, didn't really have their agency in, in mind. Uh, and reading about some of the alternatives that are happening around, um, around the United States and I'm assuming around the world, um, where patients are able to kind of set their own rules to some extent and, uh, and, retain a, um, um, a lot of agency over their lives. Uh, it was super inspiring and it made me, as I've told everybody, if I was ever going to quit the library, which I never, ever will, uh, <laughs> I would want to start one of these um, these retirement or nursing facilities where the patients, um, their choices and their their preferences and uh, yeah, and their and their agency is is chosen 
first and foremost. Yeah. Kind of having control over your own life mm-hmm. all the way through is really important. Yeah, I like um, something that really spoke to me was that idea um, because I'd been in that. I was sort of in this situation with my grandma of like the things that 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 person really wants to do mm-hmm. and be and continue to be a part of their life and that tension with the family who loves that person and who really wants them to stay around longer mm-hmm. and safe and, and safe yeah. and you know wants to you know don't don't eat that cake mm-hmm. you have diabetes you mm-hmm. know what i mean like um and and then you know you add in the medical establishment who you know they they've been taught um that you really they have to be fixing or doing or healing right. or doing surgery or doing something um and they're really coming around now to the idea that sometimes what they really need to be doing is providing palliative care Mm -hmm. and having and he's very um super honest and actually um you might be interested in i think pbs has this on right now they have the documentary that was made from this book being mortal and he follows a a couple of patients and talks about this, but he's very honest about how he didn't was not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. He's super honest about his failings and how he keeps trying to, you know, kept trying to do better as well. Because these conversations aren't, we're, you're not trained to have them, you know, in medical school as much. No. Um, and I think he's fighting for that. Uh, but just in asking some things like asking what people's priorities are, um, what they're willing to sacrifice or not sacrifice in the in the end of their life. It's not something that that doctors are typically um, very open with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, it, it's really difficult, and you know, it's difficult enough when a person has had a nice long life, and mm-hmm. you're trying to make those decisions. But there were a number of patients that were chronicled in the book and um, they took one of the patients from the book that, well, I think they took them all, but one in particular was a woman who got, um, was diagnosed with lung cancer. Right. Yeah. Right. Like when she was in her ninth month of pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I believe it was just so heartbreaking. And um, they really, they really regretted the links. I mean, it's completely understandable. Yeah. I would think I would fight with every fiber of my being, but to to talk to the hu- the husband um, and the doctor after they really regretted the decisions that they made because it was just um, prolonging the because she was unable to be present mm-hmm. for those last few months of her life when she would have preferred to be present with her with her new baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was fighting to be there longer for her new baby. And, right. Um, there was, but there was just, there was not hope in that situation. A lot of this is a, around ter- like terminal patients when there literally is no hope. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but we all feel like we're going to be like, he specifically talked about that. We all feel like we'll be that long tail, uh-huh. you know, we'll be the, the, the very, you know, someone has to, be the person who bucks the odds and why can't that be me? And that keeps people from having the conversations that they need to have um, because we hold out that hope. And doctors, doctors too, you know, hold out that hope sure. that they'll be the doctor who helps their patient be, be the, buck the be odds, the, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, it's just a really, I think it's a really important book. Um, and I think, you know, our, our society is aging right now. We're, we're about to have, 
you know, like the most number of right. of people over the age of, I don't know, 60, 60 was it, that we've had in, in maybe forever in mm-hmm. our country. So um, it's a really important conversation to have. I think it's really one. And while we're talking about gift books from mm-hmm. earlier, this would, I think, would be an excellent gift book for anybody, really any age, because it's um, it's talking about things that we're all going to have to deal with, either with uh, with our parents or our grandparents or our grandchildren or our spouses. Or, um, I mean, I I learned a lot about even just community members from book club discussions with this and uh, and talking about different people's wishes and different people's experience with hospice and things. And uh, and so it's it's one that's heavily relatable really at any, at any adult age. And I think it might be something that can motivate people to have these conversations with their families um, mm-hmm. and keep these things in mind uh, and maybe kind of prevent some, some of that prolonged suffering that, that he's trying to address. Mm-hmm. Although I don't want to get this book as a gift. I'm just going to put that out there, Kate. <laughs> All right, Polly, I will not. I would rather have Atlas Obscura. <laughs> You already have just, Atlas Obscura. I would rather have Gilmore. the Gilmore Girls Okay, Cookbook. fine. All I'm right. just saying. But a do twofer. but do get this book and do talk about it with your family. So that was, she said, she said. That was. Talking about Being Mortal, which mm-hmm. was published in October of 2014. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what she said. That's, <laughs> that's what she both said. That's what she both said. So what are we doing uh, when we're not reading? We can't always be reading, I guess. I know. I know your feelings about this. What Um, have you been doing? Well, um, Thanksgiving prep, which uh, I don't don't do any of the cooking in my house. That's nice. I know. So um, actually, that's a lie. I make the cranberries because my husband thinks that they're sent from the devil. So I (laughs) make the cranberries. And And you eat the cranberries. And I eat the cranberries. And I make this... um, it's called cosmopolitan cranberries. You can Google it. I mm. think it's in epic. It's an epicure. Epicurious. Mm. Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a. They're so delicious. It's literally cranberries, sugar, water, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then a third cup of vodka oh, nice. while they're cooling. Not even cooking it up. Just no. You cook. You cook it, and then yeah, you don't even cook. And then you like put it to cool. Then you put, and then you could put a little splash of some orange liqueur in mm-hmm. there, Grand Marnier, whatever. But let me tell you, and you put it in a shot glass. The Thanksgiving <laughs> is delightful. I bet. After that, um, so I'm host. I'm hosting family. I'm getting my game face on. Um, I'm trying to like think of. I was going to ask you this because. You know, trying to switch gears. It's been so warm. Mm-hmm. Now it's got cold outside, but so I'm trying to switch gears mentally. So, like, do you have movies and music and books that signal to you that it's time to switch into holiday mode? Yes. Well, first of all, I appreciate. I may you and I maybe are the only people who appreciate that they put on the holiday music. Mm. On like November first, around here it's, on the radio, it might, I, I know, and I I'm, I'm a little ashamed of that because I'm not. I don't even celebrate no, Christmas, don't. but it's the cheer, it's, it's the, the holly jolly, it's the holly jolly. Yeah, and people are just makes people happy. So I, I drive around listening to that, uh, and then my favorite, favorite, favorite Christmas movie is uh, Muppet Family Christmas, which I just watched on YouTube because I don't have the VHS that my grandpa recorded for me in '87. 
Uh, but I watched it on YouTube. Still holds up. It's nice. not Muppet Christmas Carol. This one's the one with mm-hmm. the Fraggles and when they're the, at the farm, right? Aren't they at Fozzie's? Fozzie's grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's so good. And that one, as a kid, I think I used to cry when it was over because I just didn't want didn't want to say goodbye. Mm. So that, and then um, my other. Well, this is not reading. Um, this is listening. But, mm, that's fine. So it doesn't fit. In, it still fits, and we can't always be reading. But uh, Dylan Thomas's A Child's Christmas in Wales is uh, a beautiful story. And it's it's in book form, but I would highly recommend listening to it. I think it's on Spotify. You can find it online. You can, there's recordings of it. Um, and it's just his, his childhood Christmases in Wales. And... Uh, they're gorgeous. His use of language is just brilliant. And his voice is just very, it's very nice and comforting to listen to. So that puts me in. What about you? Well, that sounds a lot more fancy than what well, I was also... going to say. Because I like Elf. Yeah, good. <laughs> but no. Okay, so from my childhood, though, the John Denver and the Muppets oh, at right. Christmas Together. Mm-hmm. That I like to cook and clean to that. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's good, too. Talk about your old HBO like holiday specials what about um, frosty those are okay. okay i mean you know they, and, have, and they have their place they have their place die hard <laughs> love that's like that is all about the holidays for me like die hard have you ever seen home for the holidays it's a thanksgiving movie and it's got um robert downey jr no i was thinking uh Tim holly, Allen. holly not... hunter no it's so good really? it's a thanksgiving one so okay you got to get that um i have one day and one day you got you can get it you can squeeze it in um yeah those oh i know people don't like the family stone sometimes i love the family oh, stone oh you do okay yes. i love the family stone <gasps> oh i don't often talk to people I who know. love it oh good we should What's have a whole it? episode about the yeah. family stone okay but you but we need to move on to what you're doing when you're not reading uh nothing i don't do anything okay. um that's what i heard so planned a birthday party and uh mm-hmm. polly came to it and it was I a lot of did. fun did we got, um, it was a double birthday party, and we got commemorative glasses, because <laughs> you need barware, uh, from Grandstand in Lawrence, and uh, so shout out to Grandstand, because they were really awesome with uploading our artwork and stuff. Um, and then the other thing is not books, but it's library-related. Um, we're planning winter reading um, for the first year at LPL, and one of the kind of passive programs that I'm really um, excited about is called light reading is a pun um, where we will have several of the seasonal affective disorder, sad lamps, sad lamp is the worst acronym. (laughs) Uh, We'll have a bunch of those out and people can just kind of sit next to the, to the light boxes and soak up some, light therapy and read or sit or drink hot tea and i'm super be with, excited be with other it. humans yeah so you don't have get to talk out, no, you yeah to talk. just kind of be around other people just get and, out yeah get out of your house it can, can be wallow. a hard time mm-hmm. be a hard time yeah winters are struggles for people mm-hmm. so that's those are those are my main my main things plus my muppet family christmas so. <laughs> right on Okay, Ooh, so what's going on um, coming up at LPL, mm, Polly? Well, uh, Candace Millard is happening. So on November 30th at 7 p.m., she's actually going to be at Free State High School. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Free State, for giving us that space so people can c- come and listen. And then 
Uh, the next day, December 1st, it's like two authors in two days. Mm-hmm. If you're a book nerd, it's like the best two days of the mm-hmm. year. Just FYI. Um, it's uh, So Zadie Smith is Woo! coming December 1st uh, to the KU Ballroom. And I believe that's also at 7 I think PM. it's also at I don't Yeah, have we like it. to do everything at 7. Right 7, is, 7 is when stuff happens. So um, KU is actually bringing her, but we are um, pumping this up because mm-hmm. it's amazing to have um, someone of Zadie Smith's caliber coming. Um, so... You should be there for that. Yes. Definitely. And come early because yeah, when Margaret Atwood came, we filled that it's place up. The whole up. town. Mm-hmm. We filled it up. Mm-hmm. So it's come early. Kind of like 4.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come at 4.30. Yeah, about. Uh, all right. So that's all for this month's podcast. All right. Happy reading. Happy reading. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books, news, or events mentioned in this edition, visit reader.ku.edu forward slash book squad podcast. Our amazing book squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Nick Carswell, and this has been a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. Mm-hmm.